following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Let's hear God's word as it has come to us in Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O God, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with, a, with favor as with a shield. So for the past few weeks, I've been doing a series that I called Heavenly People as we were looking at what it really means that because of Jesus' resurrection, not only did he die for our sins, but his resurrection gives us new life and not just not just resuscitates us in a sense but pours out upon us and within us the power of the holy spirit and what does that really mean in a couple of weeks we'll be uh, looking at uh, pentecost pentecost sunday's coming up and uh, we'll look at something else on that same theme of what it means to be infused by the power of the holy spirit and one of the things that i I was I kept pointing out was that on one hand something has happened to us the New Testament talks about us dying with Christ and rising with Christ that's something that has happened to us if we're true believers then God has caused these things to happen and I tried to explain how while this thing has happened to us, it's not as if therefore we just sit back and kind of watch it happen. There is a role that for us to still play, that we have to put off the old ways, the old sinful ways, and put on the heavenly godly ways. And I, I imagine some people, if you really stop to think about it, would have a hard time with that. We stress so much how we are saved by faith through grace, 
by grace through faith that our salvation is all of God. It's a gift that he has done on our behalf, given to us freely. We don't, there's nothing for us to do to achieve that. And that is true. The, the thief on the cross turned to the Lord in his dying moments. And there's nothing for him to do besides that. But at the same time, when we're given the privilege of living as heavenly people, there is a fitting response as God's people to respond and cooperate with him in the things that he's doing in our lives. And so if we do not nurture the, the, the Holy Spirit in us, if we don't if we don't nurture what God is doing then it doesn't develop in the way that it should and there are strong suggestions in the New Testament that if we completely neglect the power of God in our lives we might find ourselves in a very 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 bad place so this morning we're looking at an example in David's life of his expression of the reality of God that was working in him. Those who lived before the coming of Jesus, their experience of God was not identical to what we can experience in him today. We have much more than what they have had because we live after the time of Jesus' death after the time of Jesus' resurrection, and we're in the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But when we look at some of the shining examples of godliness in the lives of the people in the Old Testament, if anything, what they reflect should be something that we reflect even more. And so, we're looking at a prayer in Psalm 5. Um, and it's more than a prayer. It's more than a prayer. It's a song. Because the Psalms are songs. And as we so as we look at the words of this song. Songs tend to have a more dramatic, more colorful kind of speech. The rhyming of, of the psalms is a rhyming of thought rather than a rhyming of sound. But there is, there's, a, there's a rhyming, there's a, there's, a, there's a rhythm that we don't have in normal speech. And sometimes we might think that this more flowerly way of speaking um, is, is kind of really very, other than if David was simply explaining what he was feeling or, or, or not singing this out. But actually what song, the function of song, is it, it expresses that which is true in a deeper way and helps us to connect with what really is more than if this was simply a, a prayer that was not 
um, that was not crafted as a song. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, um, invite people uh, to join us back when we when we, we continue on Zoom after the service. And if you have any questions, be very happy to at least try to answer them at that time. And if that's not possible for you, you could always email me. Okay, so let's let's start at the beginning. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. So he begins by asking God to listen to him. Now, why would David ask God to, to hear him? Like, this is not his first prayer. You know, I've, I've heard stories uh, of people who never prayed before, and maybe they want to invite Jesus into their lives, and they'll start off with this sort of, dear God, almost like, if you're listening to this, sort of very tentative approach to God. And you hear David begins with, give ear to my words, O Lord. Again, this is like, this is very colorful kind of language. Is that necessary? Is it necessary to pray that way? He could be in a place of uncertainty about his relationship to God, like that first timer. But the rest of the psalm doesn't suggest that. But there, there's something about making that connection. Now, of course, there is a um, an understandable formality here that David understands that while God is his heavenly father, he's still the great king of the entire universe. And we have a tendency to kind of like almost like barge into God's presence. And while we don't need to go through all sorts of extra ceremony to, to come near to God, we can come to him boldly, as it says in the book of Hebrews. There is this process of engagement that might be more appropriate than we tend to think. He, he says, consider my groanings. This word for groanings is like his ponderings, his mutterings. It's this, the kind of things that trouble us that come out of our mouths. You know, we could force ourselves to think about certain things, but it's, you know, when things are really troubling us, we do tend to talk about them. And so here's David struggling with something, and he's asking God to come in and to, to engage him with those things that are troubling him. And I've noticed in my own life that when I go to pray, and one of the things I like to do is I like to go on, on prayer walks. I like to get outside, and I pray. And, and, and this is true whether I'm on my prayer walk or praying in my bedroom or whatever it is, I find myself kind of muttering away where I'm thinking about things and I'm talking about things and then I, I catch myself and I go, you know what, this is all internal in me. I, am I really praying? And I'll stop. And then I will address God and I'll focus. And I have found that that makes all the difference in connecting with God. Verse 2, give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. Well, it's, this is a song, right? And it's poetic. And so he's repeating himself and we go, well, that's he's repeating himself because it's a, it's a song. But you know what? When we're troubled, when we're concerned, and when we are aware of who can help us, we repeat ourselves. We do that all the time. We'll, 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 one of the things in our family that's kind of 
common among some of us. Some of us don't like doing this. So we use this uh, system on our phones called WhatsApp and we could leave voice messages for each other. And I've noticed in these voice messages, we tend to repeat ourselves. And I say us because I do it too. So maybe I'm asking one of my kids about something and I explain it and I explain it and then I repeat it all over again. And, and, and I go, I don't need to do that. And yet I do it I do it anyway. And it seems to be this natural thing we do. Um, if it matters, we repeat ourselves. Verse three, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch in the morning. Um, as you know, we homeschool. Maybe you don't know that. Robin and I are celebrating our, our 41st anniversary tomorrow. Um, our oldest child just turned 40. Uh, we've been doing the kids thing for a, for a, a long time and we've homeschooled our kids um, all those years. And so Robin's done most of the homeschooling. And this is not just true for homeschoolers. Those of us who are busy, those of us who are busy, we know, you know, it's really hard to get everything done that needs to get done. And so Robin has come up with something she calls Robin's Rule. It's something that she shares with fellow homeschoolers, um, trying to juggle all the, the things of home and teaching the kids and, and, and those of us that have had multiple kids being schooled at the same time. How do you get everything done? Well, it's, this is, you're going to understand this. Robin's Rule is the things that you plan to do first are the things that get done. The priorities get done. And there's something about making God our first priority. There's something about setting aside time for him in the morning that nothing wrong with praying in the afternoon and in the evening. If you haven't prayed yet, pray now. If you haven't prayed, you know, get to it when you can get to it. But for David, focusing on the Lord was a priority. And that's how it gets done. And, and it reflects, we're talking about God is, ha, has done these realities to us, but are we reflecting those realities in our lives? And of course, if we do this begrudgingly, it's almost not like not doing them because we could just go through the motions. But for those of us that really want to pursue the Lord and see him work in our lives and the lives of our loved ones, we need to put him first. He says, in the morning, I prepare sacrifice for you and watch. Now, we don't do sacrifices today, but there's something about in the morning, taking that time and giving it to God that makes all the difference. And watch. I already mentioned how it's it's so easy for us to pray and just get on with it instead of praying and watching. Lord, I look to you. What do you want me to do? Oh, I, I haven't heard anything. Just get going with. So, you know, the story, the kids message with, with Joshua, they didn't consult with the Lord before making a decision. The, the next wrong way to do that is just say the prayer and just do our own thing anyway. We need to, we need to pray and we need to listen. Verse 4, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. So here it's in a prayer, but David's reminding himself or something. Or he's not need to remind God, but sort of what he's doing, it's it's a little bit of a, he does this a few times. It's like a reality check. He's, he's, he's remembering what is true and he's proclaiming what is true. And it's a check of his own self that since the one who he's speaking to is not 
one who delights in wickedness, and evil doesn't dwell in him, in, in, in God, therefore we guard our own hearts. We make sure we're in a right place. At the same time, he's extolling God's characteristics. This is an, an expression of worship. And worship is so necessary in putting ourselves in that right place before God and others and putting God first and understanding who he really is and expressing that truth. Verse 5, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. Is that true? Does God hate evildoers? Oh, well, that's Old Testament, not New Testament. The New Testament, God loves everybody. Well, God loves everyone. He loves them enough to call them to repent. In, in, in Acts, it's that when proclaiming the gospel and we see the, the response of thousands of people, the preaching is God wants to save you so that he will not judge you. Those who remain, who refuse to turn to God will be judged. God hates them. He loves them in that he wants them to turn to him. But if they do not turn to him, they will be judged. God hates evil. God hates evil. And that's why those of us who claim to be God's children, who, who claim to love him, must put evil away. Verse 6, you destroy those who speak lies. We could all we could almost talk about you know lying has its own consequences. I, I, um, so I, those, some of you know about the Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson. He's been a controversial figure. Um, he um, there's so many things that that Peterson has has expressed and and has understood that we need to, and it's uh, it's quite something that there's things that he's brought to 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 light that we should have been the ones to express some of these things. And one of the things is, is he's written this book called 12, 12 Rules for Life. And one of those rules is, um, it's something like, always tell the truth, but at least don't, never lie. And one of these things as a psychologist that he says about lying is when you lie, you begin to believe your lies. And that, that explains so much to me that how people and myself could begin to believe certain deceptions, speak certain untruths, and sincerely believe them. And they become, the lies that we that we express become part of us. And some of this natural consequence of lying, well, that's the outworking of God and his ways in our lives. God destroys liars book of revelation i don't have the verse liars are in the list of those who will be thrown in the in the lake of fire lying is terrible it's so contra god the lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man those that that desire destruction god abhors those people it's possible that david is struggling with these very people that's why he's he's verbalizing this and reminding himself and, and bringing it to God. I'm in this situation with these kinds of people. And this is how you relate to them, O Lord. Please help me in this situation. Verse 7. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. 
when he talks about God's house, you know, scholars uh, struggle with this uh, because um, the tabernacle was not um, where David was in Jerusalem, and the temple that God inspired him to build won't be built until his son builds it after David dies. It's very possible that he's speaking about God's abode in a more metaphorical sense here. And so David, um, like God, despises um, deception and despises uh, murderous thoughts. And he's drawing near to where God is. And says, continuing verse 7, I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. David here is expressing his posture in life, not just his posture towards God, by saying that he bows down towards God's abode in in this reverence of God, in this fear of God. This is where David is at in life. David understands the awesome nature of God. And as I uh, mentioned a little bit closer to the beginning, we New Covenant believers, followers of Jesus, we need to be careful not to become overly familiar with God. He is our Father, which is an, our intimate relationship with Him. He's our friend, but He's not our pal or our chum. And we have to be careful to remember He's still the majestic, glorified Master of the universe. And what David is showing us here is that, in fact, our closeness to God is dependent upon our fear of God. If we don't really understand his awesomeness and relate accordingly, then we're not really relating to him. We're relating to something we've created in our imaginations. Verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight for me. This is his first actual request where he's asking God to help him walk, live aright in the midst of difficult conflict. You know, when things are going wrong around us, like in the day that we're living in, it's very difficult to think straight. It's very difficult to do right. And that's what David is asking God to do in his life. Verse 9, For there's no truth in their mouth, their inmost self is destruction their throat is an open grave they flatter with their tongue this is is uh, quoted in the book of Romans uh, by Paul talking about the lostness of human beings there's there's this general destructiveness you know we live in a society where our leaders and others our government leaders and others believe in the killing of pre-born babies that is the age in which we live. These same people, we have we have doctors and teachers and, and all sorts of thought leaders and political leaders that basically say that unrestrained sex has no consequences. It's one of the things that is so common on in, in TV shows and movies where people are hooking up together, having having casual sex with no consequences it's a huge lie and is leading down people a path of destruction it's difficult for us as children of god to accept that people who 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 um uh, what's the word who 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 push these sorts of things are enemies of god 
Again, God wants those enemies to turn to him. He's made provision for their forgiveness if they would take advantage of that. But the pursuing of the murder of babies, the the foisting of of um, of immorality and, and teaching people that immorality is good for them, these are people who are actively working against God. And then we find ourselves in the midst of a society that is like that. And so we need to pray that God would lead us in his righteousness and make our way straight before him. Verse 10, make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels because of the abundance of their transgressions. Cast them out for they have rebelled against you. Again, if they will not turn to God, David's praying, deal with these people. Deal with them. Don't leave things the way they are. Deal with them. And I believe we need to pray similar, that those, that the workers of evil, that are evil, would come to light, that no more would we be calling evil good and good evil, but the truth would be known. We need to pray that. I, it seems to me that so many of us are just kind of, oh, well, this is, the, you know, it's the end days and, and it's dark and it's going to get darker and God help us to stay true to you, but, you know, it's just the way it is and, and let just, you know, the world go down this, this horrible, dangerous path. I don't think that's what God wants. God wants people to turn to him. God wants righteousness to be in the earth. God wants his glory seen. God wants his light to shine. And he wants to use us to express this in every way. Let's not give up on our society. It doesn't have to be like this. There have been other dark, dark times in the history of the world and then God brought revival. It's time that we pray that God brings revival again, but he needs to start with us. Verse 11, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. Asking for protection amidst judgment. That in the midst of all the destructiveness around us, that David was, well, David was experienced in his day and it applies to us today, that may those who know you find protection in you. May in the midst of all this, may those who know you sing for joy as you spread your protection over them. And may we exult in God in the midst of difficult times. Verse 12, for you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover them with favor as with a shield. No matter how things are, the blessing of God is available for those who know God. And David knew this and was asking for blessing is the impartation of life. And he was asking for life in the midst of darkness and danger. And he knows that those who know God, that God protects them. He was asking that he would experience that in his day. And so we need to pray. First of all, we need to make sure that we're truly walking with God and not just going through the motions. Is God truly our Father? Have we put our trust in the Lord Jesus? Just this last Wednesday, I got to share about my story almost 45 years ago as I was in complete darkness. I was so lost. I was I had become terrified of my own shadow and God set up a meeting that changed my life with a meeting a stranger, a friend of a friend, who told me about Jesus for the very first time. And that day, September the 3rd, 1976, I became a new person. Not a perfect person. And and I can I, I know 
that many of the things that I have struggled with in these 45 years are areas of my life that I haven't really given to God, that I haven't really listened to Him, that I haven't really let Him deal with. But if we would, all of us, if we would get serious with God and allow Him to speak to us and allow Him to deal with us, Oh, the transformations he would bring about and the light that he would shine through us and that would then make a difference to the people around us, to both believers and non-believers. But first and foremost, we need to make sure we're truly walking with God. And so if you have not come into an intimate relationship with God as your Father by putting your trust in his Son, Jesus, I invite you to do that today. And I can help you if you have any questions with that. But you can call out to him right now and he will bring about miraculous transformation in your life. And then those of us who do know him, are we taking the time to seek him and to hear what he's saying to us? And this is this need that we all have. This is bread and, this is bread and butter stuff for the children of God. This is why uh, myself and our our church council are encouraging everyone to sign up for something called the Set Free Retreat that's coming up next Friday evening and, and Saturday morning and afternoon. Um, it's sponsored by uh, this ministry called Church Renewal that Robin and I first encountered about a year and a half ago, and I've been involved in a, a pastoral mentoring program with them. And what they've been teaching is very basic about learning to hear God and to obey Him. And we feel as church leadership that this would be such a blessing for our church. And especially at this time, especially where we're at as a church today, we need to hear God like never before. Now, we don't need to do a set free retreat, as it's called, uh, to necessarily to learn how to do this. But these are some proven tools that have helped leaders and churches to know better how to draw near to God and how to hear him. And at this time where in some sense there's not much going on in many of our lives, we have an opportunity to take off some hours and hear some good teaching and begin to learn how to hear God better. And so if you haven't yet watch the video that I've sent out to everyone that explains what church renewal is all about and the difference it's made in individuals lives and in churches I encourage you to do that I think you'll be really impressed I, I don't want to hype this up I'm excited because I think it's something worth ex getting excited about please watch the video and if you like what you see then register you need to do so by today uh, because I need to send in uh, to uh, the church renewal people um, uh, that we're going to be doing this so please do that today if you haven't done that yet I think you'll be richly blessed let's pray our Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your work in our lives. Father, forgive us for how we have not um, sought you in the ways that we should, that we've not express, expressed ourselves like David did in this psalm. Forgive us that we've taken you for granted. Lord, if there's some among us who have never come to know you as your children, I pray that you would help them take that first crucial step and put their lives in your hands trusting in your son and coming to know you through him and for those of us who do know you revive us lord refresh us if it's through uh the set free retreat so be it but may you use whatever you want to use 
that we would walk closely with you. Please help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.